Welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back in the chair. Oh, it's good to be back here. I'm not uh, coughing and wheezing. I'm, I'm a finely no. tuned machine. I'm borderline a bit cruel by you last week, sending your sick mum in to replace you. Well, she, she did the job. She got the job done. Did a great job, yeah. considering. She's not in good shape now, but uh, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> well, wish her all the best. Hopefully she's right. Oh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm sure the bedridden, does that mean something? I'm sure that's that's fine. Nah. That's, that's usually a good sign. It, it, it is. I'd like to be in bed. It's not a bad place to be. <laughs> Who doesn't like being in bed? No. Lovely place. You've got your feet up. She'll be loving it. <laughs> Scott Sharp, what have you got for us today? Well, I thought we'd talk about the golden rain tree. It's out and about at the moment. You can see that quite nicely. Variegated figs for inside the house and Zanzibar gem for inside the house as well. Oh, excellent. And uh, oh, what about uh, ancient gardens? Ancient gardens. We'll yeah. get around to it this week. We certainly will. We promise. And we've got Beverly from Raymond Terrace. And Scott, she's got a question about the navel orange tree. Ah, Commander. <laughs> How can we help you with a Beverly? Oh, hello. How are you today? Yes, we're very well. How can we help you? Well, I've got this beautiful navel orange tree, and it's been uh, oh, a wonderful provider with oranges. But now something's happened because... Uh, they're getting um, a split in them and, and like all mould on them and falling off the tree. That's, that doesn't sound too good at all. No, it's not. <laughs> and uh, very disappointing because the oranges have been beautiful and lovely and sweet. Yeah. And I've given that many away, but I'm afraid it hasn't happened. Um, well, it started last year, really. And um, now it's uh, all oranges on the tree, but um, this is what's happening. It's, uh, they're falling off because they're getting a split and, and sort of mouldy stuff on them. Yeah, so it sounds like what you've got is melanose on your citrus. It's, it's quite common, especially if it's you know humid, and then we've had a bit of wet weather as well. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second too. Uh, so melanose is something that uh, just sort of yeah appears as a fungus over the over the uh, citrus fruit. Uh, look, it's usually still okay to eat. Don't be worried about eating it or juicing it if you want to. It just makes it a little bit less attractive. Uh, look, what you need to do, though, uh, to keep it under control is get a fungicide, uh, usually, uh, you know, uh, copperoxychloride or uh, another one called Mancozeb Plus. Uh, it will do the job for you. You spray that over the, uh, over the citrus. Usually you start when the citrus is nice and, and young and still, uh, you know, just green and hard. That's when, yeah. that's when you start spraying. It's probably a little bit too late for you now. And, uh, oh, that, that... there's still some great, a lot of... Oh little green ones there and some of the oranges are you know falling off so yeah look I will I would go and get a fungicide go and get one of those fungicides I mentioned and uh, start using that in that case and again keep it for next year and start doing it then as well now look the other thing I was just going to mention uh, was about you know we've had some heavy rain lately and what's probably happened is the citrus is sort of quickly sucked up uh, you know all that moisture that's been in the ground because it's been so dry up until now and it's put it straight into the fruit, and that causes the fruit to split. Uh, look, the same thing happens with tomatoes in summer. That's why you try and give them consistent watering, uh, so that you know they don't get that um, that sort of rush of uh, of water, you know, into their veins and uh, straight into the fruit, and uh, and it bursts like that. So uh, consistent watering is always good uh, with citrus and uh, tomatoes as well. Now that we mention them, uh, so look, uh, that's that's something you probably won't be able to control too well. And I, I would say that the uh, melanose has sort of made the uh, made the the uh, uh, the uh, skin of the fruit a little bit softer 
and uh, that's why it's also splitting. Oh, excellent. Okay, so yeah, so the copper oxychloride, Mancozip Plus, and that should fix it up for you, Beverly. That's the way to go. It is, yeah. Now, Scott, you mentioned earlier at the top of the show, we've got something about the golden rain tree. Tree. Yes. It's a singular. But, yeah, but a... It's, it's to trick you at this time of year, oh. the old golden rain tree. So people are probably seeing it around quite a lot at the moment. And it looks like it's got a pink flower on it. So people are probably seeing these, you know, they're deciduous trees, but they've got their green leaves on them at the moment. And yep. they've got the, like a big mass of pink all over them, but that's not the flower. Oh. Yeah. So it's like a pre-flower. It, well, no, it's a post-flower. Oh. Yes. I'm all over this. Okay, so the flower comes out on the golden rain tree in a nice yellow colour. Yep. But the seed pod is a very pink colour. Okay. So and it, it's quite a large sort of uh, seed pod. So that's probably, you know, what people are seeing out all around the streets at the moment, the golden rain tree. Uh, look, it comes from uh, uh, Eastern Asia, China and Korea. Uh, it gets to uh, about seven metres tall. But the thing about it, though, is it's a sort of a short-lived tree. Seven uh, centimetres tall? Seven metres. Oh, okay. I'm Sorry. pretty sure I said seven metres then, didn't I? I might have misheard you. Okay. Well, uh, but look, it's, it's a very short-lived tree. Uh, but it's a, look, it is a, actually quite a nice little tree. It has a nice little crown on it. Uh, spreads out a little bit. Uh, you know, it's not uh, particularly invasive or anything. Uh, and it gets those beautiful uh, yellow flowers a little bit earlier on in the year, and then at this time of year, you get the uh, the big pink pink flowers, yeah, seed pods going all over it. Uh, then it loses its leaves, so you've got some uh, you know sun coming in into the yard and or onto the lawn during winter. And uh, again, it uh, provides shade for you and nice and quick growing in the summer. So that's the golden rain tree. You should be able to um, find that in garden centres, um, especially because deciduous trees will be coming out as well. Yep. So it should be something that uh, you can pick up if you, if you want to get a nice little deciduous tree for your garden. Oh, excellent. So yeah. you can pick that up now. Uh, yeah, very soon. Most decidu- uh, garden centres have their deciduous trees coming out uh, usually about June, long weekend okay, of June. Yep. That's, that's the best time to go and pick. You'll get your best variety then. So we'll talk about deciduous trees as the time comes around. Excellent. That okay. seems like a goer though. It does, yeah. And look, people would be seeing it at the moment, probably wondering what it is. That's why I decided to mention it today. Uh, but it is called Golden Rain Tree, despite its uh, pink mm. seeds. So you kind of get two flowers for the price of one. Yeah, bang bang for your buck. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM, and we've got Linda from Markwell. And she's got a problem with lily caterpillar. Hey, Linda, how can we help you? Hello. Um, yes, I, I had it last, I think it was last year I had it as well. Uh, do you know the one I mean? It's a fairly big, brightly coloured caterpillar. Oh, okay. Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't know him personally, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> them, you mean. <laughs> Masses of them. Ah, um, okay. So he's I... not a single border at your place at the moment. He's moved in, moved in on mass. <laughs> I think it's called a lily borer. Would that be right? I, I think I looked it up before anyway. Yep, but okay. um, it's got stripes and it's yellow and black and uh, yes, about I, three I different colours. I do about, know the fellow now that you're about talking. About two inches long at least yes. when it's full size. Um, and <laughs> they're in the... Um, um, my lilium, um, not lilium... Um, The naked lady, what do you call that? The belladonna, is it? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, little belladonnas, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, some of the bulbs, which are very old, were, you know, they they can eat them, they eat the bulb and the fleas. Yes, yeah, yeah. And um, I I used, um, last year I used neem oil and 
mm. uh, dishwashing detergent and yep, yep. water, etc. Um, <laughs> this uh, this year, I when I saw them, um, because I was away when I when they came last time, and I when I came back, they were yeah. But anyway, um, they go right inside the bulbs, and um, yeah. So I got to them, but and I <laughs> even got to the 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 bulbs were just in one clump um, I hadn't sort of broken them up over the years and um, so I, I even uh, attacked the, <laughs> the bulbs after I was having not much luck with the um, the, the neem oil and water and I um, even was putting boiling water on oh, them yeah, that, yeah that's not going to be too helpful for the plants unfortunately well I want to get rid of them yeah the uh, and I've got a couple of other little sections where, in the yard, where they're not, they're not on them. Yeah. But the clivia has. I've got a fairly big clump of clivia about um, ten foot away. Yeah. And it's a little bit hard to get at because it's got some other things growing around it. But um, they look very sad. They've been attacked with something, and I. But I can't see the caterpillars on them. Okay, look, now the, the, the easiest way to get rid of caterpillars, uh, if you can see them on the leaves, is a product called uh, Dipel, D-I-P-E-L, and it's a bio-insecticide which only targets uh, caterpillars. So if you can grab some of that, uh, I'd, I'd be giving that a go. If you think that they're deeper down, you know, eating in, down under the soil and eating the bulbs, then you need something a little bit tougher. Uh, and you can get a product called Carbaryl, and uh, it's you, what you do with that one is you'd actually just mix it up in the watering can and drench the plant uh, down into the soil, and uh, that should kill any caterpillars that are on the leaves and uh, you know in under the ground or uh, you know grubs that might be some sort of borer that's eating the uh, the bulb away. So that one's called Carbaryl. It's probably how do you spell that one? C A R B A R Y L. But the, if you can just see, if you can see the caterpillars stripping the leaves, I'd I'd try and use Dipel in the first instance. Next. D-I-P-E-L, is yeah, it? Yeah, D-I-P-E-L, yeah. And are they um, dangerous to the bees or anything? Okay, so Dipel's not at all. Uh, look, Carbril, if you were sort of spraying it around, I would say yes, it is. But if you're merely going to mix it up in the watering can and, and sort of drench it into the soil, then that shouldn't be harmful to the bees in that case. Okay. Right, yeah, well, um, yes, yeah, so I thought, as I said, I thought I'd got them all and... And I was having a, an inspection yesterday, and I saw that I was still one in the clump that I, you know, I mean, I was very, but it might have been away, you know, coming from a bit further away, yeah, yeah, where, where I hadn't been. And look, they've, they've probably laid some eggs. You know, they've been sitting in the soil since last year, and they've hatched out. So it, it is best if you can try and, uh, you know, try and keep those under control. So to, to um, spray them or whatever, to um, will that less. Uh, lessen the uh, them coming next year. Yeah, it certainly will because uh, you know the, those caterpillars will turn into moths. So, you know they'll probably stay in the area. They'll lay their eggs and then they'll come back again next year. Do you so, know what the moth looks like? Because I I don't remember. Oh no! Look, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not sure okay. about that. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, before they came, there were stacks of millipedes in. They were inside. Some of them were inside the house as yeah, well. But yeah. um. But I don't think they were the same thing. 
No, no, they, they look, they're completely different and not really something you have to worry about. In a way, they're actually quite good. Um, you know, for the garden, they're, they're moving, uh, you know, the organic material around. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yep. don't, don't worry about the millipedes. No, no, I wasn't really, but I just <laughs> thought it was a bit of a coincidence. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, thanks very much for that, Linda. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it. Have a nice yeah, afternoon. Yeah, love the show. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And we've got Simon from Singleton, and he's got a question about cucumbers. Hi, Simon. How can we help you, mate? G'day, Scott. I've got a, a strange-looking medieval um, cucumber in the garden that's come up self-sown, but it's got spikes on it as sharp as something out of um, the Dark Ages. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should put a handle on it and, you know, wield it as a mace or something like that. <laughs> I've got a few wild dogs up here you could probably Ooh, do with a dose, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> no. I um, don't know whether you've come across it before, but it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's self-sown. It's, it's a green, a uh, little bit longer than a, a crystal apple. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know, I haven't cut into it yet. I'll give it a dribble of water, but um, it had, it's had no love or tender care at all. Yeah, look, what's probably happened, you, you can get spikes on, on cucumbers. Most of the ones that have been bred out uh, now and hybridised, they don't have the spikes on them. Uh, so what's probably happened is, you know, it's, it's grown from a seed and, you know, might have just reverted or gone back to, uh, you know, sort of sported and changed slightly. So it's gone back to how it, you know, wanted to be, you know, before things were hybridised. Uh, because obviously, you know, if you've got a spiky fruit, then, you know, snails and things aren't going to become, aren't be able to come on there and, and eat you. So that's, you know, I guess natural selection at work there. Um, yep. But, mate, look, it still should taste just fine. Still should okay. taste fine, yeah. And if it's that tough, I would be trying to save some of the seeds and giving it a crack with uh, next year. Yeah, right. It's, um, yeah, I'll definitely be pearling skin, though. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, you sound pretty tough. I'll, I'll just bite straight oh, into it. Roll the dice. <laughs> They're breeding pretty tough up the valley, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, the same deal. I grew, I put about 50 um, watermelons in up the up on the head of the Patterson River and let them go on a, a new patch of dirt, and they all survived. But um, I was surprised in how much they didn't need much water at all. Like they, you talk about a watermelon needing lots of water, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, it's um, one of the old fellas up there told me that's that's you know they don't need a lot once they get going they're right. Yeah, look, I think that's true, and it's the same with most young plants. You know, their root system isn't enough to you know sustain them at first, but once you know after that you know three months or so, you know two to three months, uh, you know most plants can look after themselves. And, and you're right, look, watermelons are absolutely no different. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing they do is they if, you know if it's hot and it's dry, they won't set as much fruit. Um, you know, just to try and preserve themselves and, uh, you know, get what fruit that they have uh, actually, you know, ripe and ready to go. Yeah, they've um, they've surprised me and they, they're going to be the most expensive watermelons on the river, that's for sure, with no one else sort of grew them. <laughs> 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 but uh, thanks a lot. Okay, John, mate, well, this, uh, uh, you try. good luck uh, on that taste test with the uh, the cucumber. Thanks, mate. Yep. So cheers. Do we know a name of a good dentist or someone for him? Uh, you know, if he... Oh, surely somebody, but I... Yeah. I'd be too scared. I couldn't do it. Or just bite straight into it. Yeah. Yeah, probably I'd have not. to do a little slice down the side. Yeah, or just peel it. I'd, I'd probably go that down that path. Or we'll get a bit of sandpaper. Oh, yeah. Look, we're not in South Africa at the moment. It's, uh... What are they doing in South Africa with cucumbers? That's Tampa balls. But, oh, oh, yeah. oh, look, oh, look right I was, out, okay. Yep. It was a bridge too far. Sorry about that. No, nah, it's all right. I was not sitting with you on that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was, my mind was strictly on gardening. Okay. I, I was segueing, so sorry. <laughs> We've got Ellen now from Morissette, and she's got a question about broccoli seedlings. Hello, Ellen. How can we help you? Oh, I'm desperate. I'm on my third uh, punnet of 
of um, brothel ice evenings. Mm-hmm. First one, overnight, beautiful seedlings, overnight, demolished. Yep. The moth and the caterpillar, do you think? or I've got no idea. The okay. second time, I covered it with chicken wire and, and tomato, thinking that, you know, whatever's getting at it, demolished. Right. Still. So yesterday I put another punnet in because I'm such a determined woman. <laughs> I'm going to get the, the grow broccoli if it kills me. So this morning, again, they're not all attacked, but some of them are still eaten down, and I put them in little cardboard tubes, the yes. seeds, with the tube coming up up to the stem. But, you know, something's got them at them overnight again. Right, OK. Look, now, it's, it's either going to be one of two things. Uh, cabbage moth is really prevalent at this time of year, and the little green caterpillars just do so much damage, and then they sort of scurry away on you. Or it's going to be something a little bit bigger, uh, you know, like a possum or a rat. Um, you know, that, that, that's the other thing that will do a lot of damage quickly like that. But I, I mm. would be betting on the cabbage moth. Uh, I would. Be, are you dusting them in any way whatsoever? No, no. Okay, so I would go and get some, you know, what we call deris dust. It's not deris dust anymore. I think they call it tomato and, mm. you know, cabbage dust or something like that now. It's, uh, but, you know, effectively it's, you know, what we used to use is deris dust. And, and give those a good dusting. And if it is the cabbage uh, moth and the caterpillar, uh, that will keep it at bay for you. If it's a, okay, if it's, well, if it's a rat, unfortunately, not much you can do about that as they forage around, except get a, yeah, a herd of crazy. cats. Yeah, well, I don't think the rat could have got through the chicken wire that I put over. Ooh. Like I've only just got one of those little raised back, backyard gardens. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure like a, a fully like grown rat can almost squeeze itself through the size of a 20-cent piece. Oh, yeah, well, they're, they're, it... they're an amazing little creature. Amazing, well, you say amazing. Yeah, I, I say amazing, but uh, hey. Well, I am so sorry that it didn't choke itself. <laughs> okay, oh, look, thank you very much. Uh, I will try. I'll get the dust this afternoon yeah. and give it a try. Yeah, I'll definitely give that a try. Look, there's not probably not too many people disagreeing with you about the choking of the rat out there. Okay. <laughs> thank you kindly. Okay. Bye-bye. See you, Ellen. Bye-bye. It is pretty amazing, though, what they can fit through. Yeah, so if you've got a smaller rodent um, or a mouse or something like that, they're going to be able to fit through, you know, obviously much smaller, um, you know, holes. Ap- apertures, yes, mm, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> apertures, nice. Yes, yes very nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's Guarding Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And Bruce from Alibana's got a bit of info about a weed that looks like a cucumber. Ooh, Bruce, far away. G'day, Scott. Um, mate... I was just listening to your program and the chap that was talking about spiny or prickly cucumbers. Um, I've seen, uh, it's a weed, but it has like a cucumber um, fruit on it about the size of a closed fist or maybe slightly larger, um, oval in shape and quite spiky. Um, I don't know if that's what he's growing or not, but it is definitely a weed and is inedible as as, as far as I know. Um, it's something that comes up in gardens. I've, I've seen it on farmlands, basically, um, okay. in cultivated paddocks and so on. Um, but, yeah, it's, it could be one of those. Uh, but I do know there are spiny cucumbers as well. Yes, there definitely are. So he's, go, he's going to have a taste of it and see what happens. The other thing that uh, you know grows as a weed as well is a moth creeper, and it looks like a, uh-huh. an artichoke when it's growing on people's fences. Uh, but it, it's, it's quite bad as well. It'll choke plants and... Uh, you know, just grow all over a fence. So that's also, you know, one that has that sort of green look as well. But I don't think that's what uh, uh, Simon from Singleton's got. It sounds like he's got, yeah, like you said, either that weed or the uh, the spiky cucumber. Yeah, which is a South African 
variety. Um, Scott, um, only, only, other... only tasting will tell for him. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with the tasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, just another quick question. Um, I'm surrounded by reserve lands um, down here in Alibana, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of what uh, I call um, devil's twine. Um, you see it around yeah. in, in casuarinas and so on yes, on the roadside. Yes, I know but, what you're talking about, yeah. 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 How the hell do you get rid of it? I, I Look, I, I have not got a solution for that, unfortunately. Uh, and look, there's there's other creepers like that as well, where you go and try and pull them out, and uh, like a little ivy, a little grape sort of one that there, that there's around as well. And yep. you go and try yep. and pull them out, and uh, they just break off, and they they get so many seeds on them. I don't know how to get rid of that that tiny one. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it's it's taking over um, an area at the back, and yeah. I've pulled it off plants and cut the plants out. It just keeps coming back. Yeah, but look, it's and it's prolific. Yeah, look again. The only thing you could use is use uh, you know Roundup or glyphosate, and you know try yep. and very very, very carefully spray that uh, as best as you can. But uh, look, that, that's really the only way you're going to try and get it under control. Yeah, well, being semi-parasitic, it's... Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and <laughs> very, that, very hard. Yeah, so it's, it's little suckers go into the, you know, the bark of the plants and, uh, you know, it just keeps on feeding and going from there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I've un- unwound them and pulled them all off and cleaned it all up. And a month later, you see the tendrils starting to get back in there again. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm. yeah I'm sorry about right. that one. Not to worry. Thanks, Scott. Okay, I appreciate that. Bruce. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Okay, Thank bye-bye. you. Bye. I'm actually just thought of a plant that I absolutely despise. Mm-hmm. I, every time I rip it out, cut it, it, <laughs> it keeps growing back. I hate it. I hate this plant with my the, whole heart. The, them's fighting words, mate. Them's fighting words. It's, it is. I hate it. I can honestly say I hate it. Yeah, and what is it? I don't know. I'll take oh. a photo of it. And because I just remembered how much I hate it, but I don't know what sort of planet it is. Right, okay. So there's all this anger and angst and hate over this side yep. of the table, and you don't even know what it is. So I can, Poisoned it, and it still comes so up I can it. help you that release for you, so you don't feel that anger about it anymore. Oh, there'll still be anger. Oh, okay. That, that's not going away. <laughs> okay. bring, it in, bring it in next week, and we'll see how we go. Yeah, once you've seen the plant, you'll recommend, you'll go, yeah, that's why. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be cranky as well, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, and you'll understand my hatred for it. Okay, well, you bring it in, and we'll see what we can do for you. <laughs> Excellent. We've got time for a couple more callers. We'll give him a crack. Uh, we've got Cole now from Saltash, and he's got a question about tomatoes. Hey, Cole, how can we help you, mate? No, g'day, Scott. It's, uh, I've grown tomatoes for 50-odd years, but this is the first year that I've grown three plants, different plants, and every one of them has shown some sort of deficiency in the fruit. It won't ripen. It just goes blotchy and pale and... Inside's the same when you cut them, cut them in half. Right. Now this is the last crop, the last last of the crop. The first part was really good; they all ripened up beautifully, either on the vine or on the windowsill. The last half of the crop, that's what's gone, and I've got a windowsill full of blotchy white and half pink tomatoes that just they're not going to ripen. Is it some sort of deficiency? Uh, look, without seeing them, I, I would say no. Look. Tomatoes, as you know, can be really touchy creatures as far as the you know the weather conditions go, and uh, you know how much water they've got. If it's humid, uh, you know all of a sudden they'll you know they'll get some sort of fungal disease on them. And I would say that's probably what's happened uh, up at your place at Saltash. Look, you you know how sandy it is up there. You'd be you know feeding pretty well, and it sounds like you know how to do your tomatoes. You've already had a good crop uh, this year. I would put it down just to the climate that we've had. It's been very dry, you know, then we've had, you know, bursts of rain. 
yep. you know, we've had humidity, uh, you know, continuing on. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of starting to go yeah. away now, but, you know, it was quite bad. And uh, we were talking yesterday about... Uh, with some people about just how humid it has actually been this year. You know, I think I might Incredible. have resorted, yeah, to the uh, to the air conditioning. And, and I was talking to a fellow who was actually up from, it was from the valley actually up around Broke. And, uh, you know, usually it's a bit drier up there. You don't get that humidity. But he said up there, you know, all this year, very humid as well. So, mate, I, I, would, just put, I would just put it down to the, you know, the sort of the weird weather we had this year, the extreme heat, uh, no rain, and then uh, humidity and sort of, you know, bursts of uh of, of you yeah. know, storms and rain, you know, and then you, you, know, you and it was the same with the mozzies, you know, they'd turn up as well, you know, uh, yeah, because yeah, of that. Not, yeah, and I think that's just indicative of the, you know, the sort of stop-start weather we had this year. The only other thing, Scott, is I had a fairly heavy infestation of whitefly yes, that I've yeah. been trying to keep under control. I wondered if that might have had some effect on it. Look, and it certainly would have. Uh, so, you know, oh, whitefly, right. you know, they do a lot of damage, uh you know, despite how small they are, uh, you just yeah, get lots and yeah. lots of them. So it sounds like, you know, in that second half of the year, your plants might have been really, you know, up against it effectively. You know, they've been dealing white mm, fly, they've been mm, dealing with mm. heat, uh, you know, the humidity. Right. So that I think that's just been a whole, fact, you know, uh, sort of factor of things uh, that have, uh, have come to, you know, conspired against you, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, mate. Uh, the other quick, little quick one, uh, lime tree's gone a bit leggy. When's a good time to knock that back? Uh, in the winter a bit more? Uh, look, I, I'd give it a go now. It doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. You, yeah, lime, yeah lime, lime trees here in Newcastle, you can give them a crack now if you want to. Um, probably not cool. too heavily. Uh, but again, uh, cool. yeah, look, in fact, I would do it now. I, w I wouldn't wait till later on in the year. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Good on you, Cole. Thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Cole. We've got Peter now from Fassy Fern. He's got a question about tea trees. Peter, how can we help yeah. you? Hi, hi, Scott. Um, I've got a, a driveway, and when I purchased the property, it was just sort of a bush block, and the previous owner had planted a row of probably 20 tea trees, mm -hmm. which I made into the drive, and uh, what's happened now is uh, I, I've let them go a bit too long, I think. They've gone to three to four metres high, and uh, they're making like a hedge look along, along the drive. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm wanting to lower them down a bit because uh, obviously the lower growth has disappeared and the the trunks are about well, 150 wide and some of the limbs are about 75 mil. So you know, are they too old and gnarly to trim the top down to sort of bring the growth down a bit or what's the story on that one? No, look, with tea trees, uh, it, it's fine. You can go for it. Uh, look, the only thing I'd say to you about doing it at this time of year is that uh, you know as we get into the colder months now, and you know the, the and this morning as well, and the night and the days are getting shorter, you're not going to get very much growth out of the plant. So it might be something you're best to wait, or you know do, do it lightly now, but then wait until August and then give it the heavy prune. Then so you know at that time of year we'll have some rain, the days will be getting longer, be warmer, and you'll get the regrowth then. So if you want to give it a light prune now, do so. But I, I probably wouldn't give it a heavy prune, uh, you know, as we're heading uh, headlong into May. Oh, okay. So, how much of that top could I bring in? Say they're three and a half, four metres now. Can I take a metre off the top? Yeah, look, you certainly can. You can take about a third, oh, okay. a third of them off if you want to. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, great. That's all I need to know. Okay. Thank Good you, on you, Peter. Thank you very much. Okay. Goodbye now. Bye, Bye. Cheers, thanks, Peter. Scott Sharp. Almost out of time for another week. Oh no. Before you go, is there anything you want to throw to? Oh well, look. What about uh, we, you? Want to talk about the Zanzibar gems? You were, oh, you were yeah. very excited. But you want to know where Zanzibar was in the exactly end? Exactly right. Yes. And where is it? 
East Africa. It's, yeah, it's an island. Ah. Yeah. And the great thing about Zanzibar is it made this little plant called the Zanzibar Gem, yep. uh, which is a fantastic indoor plant. It will grow in a low light uh, and... Look, you don't have to water it too much. Uh, in fact, overwatering can kill it. Uh, and people use it in Scandinavian countries, so it will work very, oh, okay. very well in that sort of central heating, uh, low light conditions. So as we rush into uh, winter here, uh, it's a really good indoor plant to have. Ideal, you might say. It is ideal, yeah. Excellent. Scott Sharp, I'll catch you next Monday. Okay, and remember to bring that, uh, that plant yes, that's, causing, that's yes. causing you all that grief. I will. We'll do anger management courses next Monday Big- for you. It's going to be a big show next Monday. (laughs) Scott Sharper, thank you very much. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.